please pray with me. God of grace, let the words that are spoken and the words that are heard be blessed by you, the living word. Amen. I am frustrated by the way that certain conservative Christian voices in America today misrepresent the biblical or religious importance of marriage. And yet, I believe it is important for us as a church to affirm marriage, all marriage, including same-sex marriage. And I will tell you why. Today, as you've heard, is Reconciling Sunday. For many years, this congregation has said explicitly that we welcome and include all people regardless of sexual orientation. Every year, we celebrate this piece of this church's identity, particularly on Reconciling Sunday. Just a few weeks after last year's Reconciling Sunday, the United States Supreme Court declared the Federal Defense of Marriage Act unconstitutional and declined to hear the case related to California's Proposition 8. Having just heard the forum, I'm not sure I got the language on that quite right, but it'll do, I think. For the past year, marriage has been a significant focus for those concerned about civil rights and full participation in society for gay and lesbian folks. Recent months have offered victories in court cases in many more states, enough that it's difficult to keep track. In our annual conference, which is the regional body in the United Methodist Church, um, advocates for a season of love are, are calling for a time when we focus our attention on the celebration of same-sex marriage. And one of the ways they're asking churches to participate in this season of love is by holding a Reconciling Sunday. In the public conversation about same-sex marriage in American society, we hear the voices of Christians. Unfortunately, the loudest voices, the Christian voices which seem to receive the most attention in the news, seem to always be the voices speaking in condemnation of same-sex marriage. We know that there are Christian voices that affirm an inclusive society and equal civil rights. But the strength of more exclusive Christian voices can create a very skewed image of what Christians think of marriage. To hear the more dominant Christian voices in America today, you would think that believing in marriage is a tenet of the Christian faith, along with monotheism or loving Jesus. But this is simply not the case. These particular Christian voices make it seem as if marriage is ordained by God and mandated by Scripture. They make it seem as though God created marriage as the only proper context for sexuality. But none of these claims or assumptions stand up to examination. And of course, when those dominant Christian voices talk about marriage, they are talking about marriage only between one man and one woman. We get used to thinking about the Bible as a book but it is actually a library of books. Different books written by different people at different times. On most topics, this library of books that is our Bible expresses a diversity of perspectives. Marriage is no different. The Bible speaks of marriage with many voices, diverse voices, not one unified voice. 
I can go through the Bible and prove this to you, but in my mind that would be a lecture or a class, not a sermon. So I won't be doing that this morning. One of our scripture passages this morning comes from the Song of Solomon, also known as Song of Songs. The Song of Solomon is mostly love poetry, much of it very beautiful, much of it very sensual. But the images of romantic love we find in Song of Solomon are the exception and not the rule when it comes to how the Bible treats intimate relationships. The Bible contains many marriages that include elements of coercion, that include a political concern to unite families or tribes, or a practical concern for continuing the family line. The kind of intimate love that we think of as the reason for marriage is actually rare in our Bible. When we do find images of faithful and enduring love in our scriptures, such love is as likely to be between friends or in-laws or comrades as it is between spouses. Our second scripture for this morning is a brief excerpt from Paul's letter to the early church in Corinth. This passage and the verses that relate to this passage reveal that Paul was actually against marriage. So here we have a leading voice in the establishment and development of the Christian church, a leader many Christians quote to explain their theology or their understanding of the structure and operations of the church or Christian practices. And yet, far from being a strong supporter of marriage, he thought everyone should be single. At another point in the letter, Paul makes it clear that he sees marriage as a concession to human weakness. He essentially says that it's better to be married than to burn in lust, if that's the alternative, but that still it would be far preferable not to marry at all. Christians claiming the sacredness of heterosexual marriage somehow never seem to acknowledge Paul's feelings on the matter. So despite the voices from the Christian community, which would make it seem as if the Bible and Christian tradition uphold marriage as sacred or ordained by God or part and parcel of the faithful Christian life, despite these voices, the reality is that the Bible and Christian tradition contain a diversity of messages when it comes to marriage. Not only that, But the Bible and Christian tradition are as likely or more likely to hold up friendship or community as the best examples of love. The other thing that's important to keep in mind as we in the church talk about marriage is that marriage is a civil contract. The parameters of marriage are regulated by civil laws. The church may wish to weigh in on the subject of marriage, But the truth is that we do not get to decide who can get married or under what circumstances, nor who cannot get married. Given all this, it would be possible for me to make the case that churches and clergy should not have anything to do with marriage or weddings. But that is not a case I would make. In spite of not being able to use scripture to clearly affirm marriage, And in spite of the church not having jurisdiction over what constitutes a legal marriage, there is a reason weddings are celebrated in churches and celebrated by clergy. And it is right that we do so. 
It is right that we celebrate weddings and support one another's marriages. Churches are communities that mark milestones in our lives. We do this because we remember and name God's presence with us in all the seasons and milestones of life. We celebrate baptisms and confirmations and memorial services. We bring prayer and community to support to house blessings or any other kind of celebration, uh, many kinds of celebrations, as well as to situations of sorrow. Of course we celebrate the milestone that is the choice of two people to make what they hope and intend will be an enduring commitment to one another. Much of what we hear in our hymns this morning is a reflection of God's presence through life's seasons and milestones. So it is important that churches and clergy celebrate weddings and marriages. And if this is true, then it is important that we celebrate all people and include all people in this ministry. We as a church, and I as a pastor, name and invoke God's presence. We also acknowledge God as the source of love. The human love we share with one another is an extension of the love God has planted within us, and it is an extension of God's love for us. God has designed human beings for love, and this doesn't only mean marriage. So as the community that celebrates God's presence and conveys God's blessing, it is right that we celebrate marriage. In planning for this morning, I invited some folks who have been married here or been married by me to share their perspectives. Uh, Jules Knudsen is in Nebraska this weekend, but wrote something that she uh, invited or gave me permission to share, so I'll be sharing those words in just a minute. But first, I want to invite Jennifer Gildner and Lori Bortuzzo to share a piece of their story. Good morning. My name is Jennifer, and this is my wife, Lori. It's still fun to say that. <laughs> Hopefully it never stops being fun. Um, we were married by Pastor Kelly on October 26th, um, last year, 2013, and we were invited to speak to you today for this Reconciling Sunday because of the importance to us of being married by our pastor and having God be an integral part of our ceremony. It never really felt like a choice to me whether I, whether I would be married in a religious ceremony or not. It was always just a given. Because of that, I wasn't sure for a very long time if I would be able to be married. During my coming out, I experienced rejection from my, from my religion and from my fam- family. But I eventually began to learn more about churches started by queer pastors as well as um, reconciling congregations, but they weren't called reconciling at the time. So I began to dabble in going back to church, which helped me in the process of developing comfort in my own faith as an adult, as a gay adult. I had always maintained my relationship with God, as I never felt that he was rejecting me. So when I began to experiencing welcoming churches, it was like I was given a new life. But I still thought marriage was not a possibility for someone like me. I thought I could be and would have to be okay with just having a committed relationship. When I met Lori, it was important to me to begin including her in my faith and introduce her to a church where we would be welcome as a couple. 
As time passed, civil unions uh, started to become more popular, but that never really felt like the right path for us, I suppose because being civil removed the religious and spiritual aspect, and to me, that was the core of the union, of our union. Besides, we weren't really ready at that time to be committed, so... (laughs) Um, So we had been together for about four years before we moved from Minnesota to Davis, um, and I was here for about three weeks alone um, while Lori remained in Minnesota, and I was coming here on Sundays as one way to fight the loneliness that I felt from missing Lori. When she returned to Davis after those three weeks, we began, began attending more regularly and began thinking of this as our church. It was, wasn't long before we were imagining Pastor Kelly might be the right person to marry us. It was important to us that we be married by a pastor who knew a little about us and who we liked as a person. A common question people asked us after the wedding was, do you feel different? I think the expectation was that we wouldn't because we're a little older and had already been together for a while, but the answer is definitely yes. And I'm so thankful for that difference, which I attribute to inviting God into our marriage. We never would have known that difference if I had just settled for being in that committed relationship for which I thought I was destined. Good morning, everyone. I grew up in a Roman Catholic household. Spending Sundays in church with my family uh, was a pretty regular event, and it was something that I cherished in my childhood. Um, I always knew from as early as I can remember that I was gay but I never understood or felt the impact of homophobia until I was in my teens. It was then that it became clear to me that my church was not accepting of me, so I made a choice and I left. It was not until I met Jennifer that I was reintroduced to my faith and had the opportunity to find my own faith again. Our cordon included going to church as this was a very strong value of hers. Until then, I was not aware of churches that were affirming. My eyes were open to a new path for me to connect with God again. Jennifer and I spent quite a bit of time with Pastor Kelly um, leading up to our marriage as we explored the covenant that we were entering into. When Pastor Kelly asked if we would speak today, uh, it got Jennifer and I talking about God and and why it was so meaningful for us to uh, to be married by our pastor. In that discussion, I asked Jennifer if she knew what was one of my favorite moments of our wedding ceremony. She looked at me for a moment, and it was clear she didn't know what I was going to say. I looked at her, and I said, well, it was when we said the Lord's Prayer. And I always choke up a little bit here, sorry. (laughs) She got teary-eyed and shared with me she always knew that she wanted that prayer said together at our wedding. What I didn't realize, though, was that saying it together, being led by our pastor amongst our friends and family, would feel so much like God's arms were around us, and that at that moment I felt home. So being married by our pastor in the invited presence of God completed the circle. Thank you so much. Jennifer mentioned experiencing rejection from her family. What we know about Jesus is that he created a community where no one was rejected. So if we are going to be Jesus followers, 
It is actually imperative that we be a church where same-sex couples are welcome to marry in our sanctuary, a church where I or any pastor of this church will officiate same-sex weddings, no matter what the United Methodist Book of Discipline says. If any couple has to say, my family wasn't there, I want them to be able to say, my church was there, my pastor was there. So pastors celebrate weddings. And there is something about weddings being held in churches, too, in sanctuaries. And this is what Jules wrote to me about. Uh, for those of you who don't know them, Jules and Janie Knudsen have been longtime members of this church. Janie's a former music director here. Uh, Janie's working at St. Martin's now with their children's choir, and Jules is in Nebraska visiting family this weekend. But she wrote this. As a godly play teacher, I've had the experience of creating sacred space. We light a candle, say a prayer, and greet one another in the name of Christ. We teach the children that this is a space where no one is in a hurry and where we speak quietly in case someone is speaking with God. By creating this sacred space, I believe we allow an experience of the sacred to occur. Whether we call it a sacrament or a rite, R-I-T-E, I believe that a marriage ceremony is a sacred experience and needs to happen in a sacred space. I've never had such an experience at a country club or posh hotel wedding, even if conducted by a bona fide clergy person. The church sanctuary is made all the more holy by being the place where we have baptized, grieved, and prayed over generations. Part of the ministry of the church is to create sacred space in all kinds of ways. So as we in this church seek to be a reconciling community of disciples of Christ, may we be a community that provides real love and support. May we answer God's call to be not alone, but in relationship with one another. May we provide love and support to married and single alike. May we affirm and support the love of partners and spouses, the love of friends, and all kinds of family configurations. And may we tear down any barriers in church or society that might limit the sharing or celebration of love. Amen. <laughs>